Welcome back to KafaroCast, everyone. Uh, we have a very important subject or multiple important subjects we're going to touch on today that we feel is uh, something that everyone should listen to, think about, and chime in on. And uh, as a guest, Frank and I have the super cool, deadly, uh, non-technically proficient Harold Farnbrook. <laughs> Boy, yeah, I've been called a lot of things. <laughs> I need to edit that and start over again. <laughs> oh, you're getting better with the technical side of things. Uh, yeah. Did uh, l- this this uh, is going to be about you know conservation? Uh, you know, I guess would be the big, I guess the end goal or kind of looking at it, but also you know the voice of bow hunters, tag allocation, spring bear season. We're going to cover multiple different um, uh, subjects in this uh, podcast. A lot of this, Harold, you brought up to me. A couple months ago, month and a half ago, I started doing research on it. You've done a ton. Um, we're going to kind of bracket this from you know one subject to the next of everything from um, you know spring bear hunting to what does your local biologist do? How do they get their counts of the animals? Uh, you know, are they pl- flying a plane? Do they listen to the, uh, the the citizens to the hunters surveys things like that? Um, now, Harold, you've been involved. Since Christ was a kid, and everything from counts to guiding to everything. Uh, yes, um, I was fortunate just to be one of those kids that just you know the the outdoors was my backyard, and I spent a lot of time in my backyard per se. I've uh, got to meet some pretty cool people through this um, with the Colorado Division of Wildlife, uh, Kathy Green, back when she was in um, uh, the 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 head biologist down there. I mean, she definitely trusted my judgment, and I did a lot of work for her down there, uh, surveys and stuff of the sheep in the south end of the state. And um, and a lot of that information that they got 100% influenced the numbers and um, uh, that was allocated to not only archery but rifle and so forth. Um, back in the day when I first drew that sheep tag, it was uh, they had a rifle – at the exact same time as bow, they they were at the same time. They weren't two separate seasons. Um, I felt I had a, with the letters that I sent and the voice that I made was able to make some changes. And hopefully that that mentality with the Colorado Division of Wildlife. I refuse to call them anything other than COW. I can't get used to it now that they've merged with uh, <laughs> Park and Rec is uh, that that same mentality is there. That if we come in there constructively. Uh, with some good science um, that we can get some answers and hopefully help uh, them help us. Right. Um, and, um, and it says scratch your back, scratch mine. So that's, that's kind of the goal. We don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But at the same time, uh, if I'm being held accountable as a hunter, uh, I think uh, uh, the government needs to be held accountable as well. No, for, for sure. And I think that uh... – you know, before we get this kicked off in 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 great depths, one of the things that uh, needs to be looked at is you you can't really yell at a police officer for giving you a ticket for going over fifty five because you feel that that speed limit should be sixty five. It's his job to enforce that speed limit. A lot of the things we're talking about today doesn't really have to do with um, the the Department of Wildlife didn't set these rules. They're set in legislation. But as you're listening to this and we're talking about this, 
it is our job as hunters to voice our opinion. Don't sit on the couch and not make a stand or not voice your opinion, not come up with constructive ways to fix problems uh, because it's not going to get done just by the Department of Wildlife. Some of these, it's going to take a voice of all the hunters to get things going, spring bear being a great example. Um, uh, and I, I would say maybe we start off with that, spring bear. Okay. Um, go ahead. What are your... Um, I've gone down to the, uh, and I have got a, a call back actually from Janet George. Uh, she called yesterday. Um, actually, while I was down there at the DOW, she was calling me back at my house. Um, and she didn't know I was down there. And she's always been a very good source to, uh, to run things through and past and uh, afford, you know, some of my issues to the, to the correct people. And I hope that's going to happen again. And then one of the biggest things I wanted to touch on was from the Colorado Division of Wildlife. They had a, I went down there last Monday and, you know, they, they call it a, well, I was supposed to talk to either Janet George or, yeah, the terrestrial department. Um, I guess that's what, what you know, you can kind of get the numbers from how many trouble bears were killed last year by uh, division wildlife officers or government trappers, whoever might have been on the payroll to do that. Um, and then also, I'm still waiting to hear back from NPR to get um, the recording of when the DOW was interviewed last year when they were trying to harvest a certain amount of bears up in the, in the northwest corner of the state, kind of ragely, you know, Colorado meets Utah and Wyoming. They were doing that, and I listened to the whole interview, and their whole reason for doing that and having to do it was they their, their deer numbers were way down, their elk numbers were down, and they knew they had to control that predator. So they're going to go up there and do a, well, I think it's a depresation hunt or whatever the pronunciation of that is, to try to, to try to get those bears under control. So I went down there to try to find those numbers, to use that same ammunition to potentially, and I hope in the future, bring in bears back, to, having a spring bear season back in Colorado. And, and, and to, to, to go back a little bit, it was in 1990, when was it? 80, when, was, when was it taken away from us? I think it was either, God, was it 2000, um, 2001, something like that? It, spring bear, basically a vote went to the public to take away spring bear and spring bear baiting, and we lost. Um, it, was, it was voted by the public. Um, and it was taken away. We can no longer hunt spring bears. Now, what has happened over time is the bear population is ridiculous now. And so now that the bear population is at an all-time high, there's nuisance bears all over. You have to have bear canisters and the maroon bells and other areas. Their bears are continuing to getting killed, right? They're still getting killed. It's just it's not – they're not being killed by hunters they're being killed and in a lot of ways thrown in a ditch from what I'm finding out. They're being wasted. Yeah. And the problem that, that Harold and Frank and, and I and multiple other people have with that is why not create, one, the revenue to have hunters kill these bears? Why don't we want, number two, get the word out to anti-hunters and non-hunters that voted to ban bear baiting and ban bear hunting in the spring uh, to get that back because they're still dying. They're still getting killed. We're not, there's no monetary gain from that. And we're actually having to pay for it to happen, which makes no sense at all. 
Now you're trying to get the exact numbers of how many got killed. Right. <laughs> exact numbers, of the, how many got killed to kind of use that, whether it be a part of our literature that we put out there. And I think we're kind of talking to hunters um, in a lot of cases um, because back when I was involved with it and uh, actually first got to meet Marv Klinke back in the day because he was a big proponent of it. In fact, Marv Klinke is one of the guys that started this Colorado Bowhunter Association, him and one other gentleman back in 1968. So he was very active in it. Um, I looked up to this guy. He didn't know who I was. I was this little teenager sitting there in the corner that, you know, I love hunting bears. And it was a good, you know, uh, it was kind of the off season, kind of like turkey is now. I mean, hunting season was over for most of us in September, unless you had a whitetail tag, maybe November. But other than that, here we're sitting in May. So we've been void of being out there go hunting for quite a long time. So bear season was instrumental to me. And... To feel that it was going to go away. You know, I see these commercials on TV that the Republic of Boulder was putting out uh, with the two orphan bears sitting up in a tree. And their slogan was, you know, this mother got killed by, you know, uh, a bear hunter, you know, which was 100% bull. Uh, For one, it was never said that it's illegal to shoot sows with cubs. Right. And baiting is about the 90%, 99% sure way of being able to know you're not going to shoot a sow with cubs, but she comes in to the bait with her cubs. So as opposed to fair chase, when you're in tall grass, uh, things like that, you really got to study and watch them for a long time. You know, you might make a mistake, but even at that, it's, if you're an ethical hunter and you have some eyeballs, you're not going to make the mistake either. Well, and what generally happens now is people see a bear and they shoot it, right? right. It's once in a lifetime, you're hunting elk, bear walks out, she'd fuck her, right? End yeah. of story. Duh. Right. Well, a lot of times that's going to be a sow or a sow with cubs because it's a it's a hunter hunting elk. Bear pops out, bear tag in pocket, shoot bear. Yeah. Uh, in a and that's spring, in the fall. That's in the fall, exactly. Yeah. In a springtime environment, you are only hunting bear. You uh, do not have the other tags in your pocket. They are, in my opinion, significantly easier to kill because they're trying to get the butt plug out. They're for, they're trying to eat like a they're. You can, you can focus in a lot more on grass. Plus, there are ruts going on, too, so the bear are moving around. In June, yeah, yeah. exactly, which makes it a hell of a lot easier. And my point, or my I guess one of the things I want to get across to people is even if you don't hunt bear, um, you do hunt elk, probably, or you hunt deer. Well, the one number one killer of calf elk is bear, right? right. And, and now and, the, and fawns. And fawns, yeah. exactly. And... Not having that spring bear tag and not having the ability to bait bear one or the other or both is a problem in Colorado. And it was taken away because we didn't have a large enough voice. And two, why isn't the CBA doing anything to get it back? I, I don't think they are. Um, yeah, at the time they were, they were, you know, back, you know, we're talking almost 20 years ago now. They, they were probably just as appalled as anybody else was that hunters didn't band together. You know, the guy that was hunting deer and elk, like Aaron just said, um, that's, well, I never hunt bear. I don't need to, I don't think there should be bear hunting. I never see him anyways. Well, what he doesn't realize, he's going to see less and less deer and elk that he's hunting because you got to control your predators. So in a way, by not, by him saying, yeah, I don't need to have a bear season. Well, he just, he just, how many, how many deer, how many elk did he take out of circulation because now there's too many bears up there shooting those calves. And, and that's why I really want to get archived out of archives from NPR, the interview they had with biologists explaining just that. So even the hunters out there that said they didn't need to do it, they didn't see a reason for it. Now, if they listen to this interview, they'd be like, 
man, did I make a mistake. If they're making that kind of an influence on those units in the northwest part of the state, the only place they did the study, then what's going on in the south in the state, the middle of the state, whatever, it's happening everywhere because we know bears are trouble bears that are being shot that doesn't even count. This was this subject that was NPR interview was just about the ones that DOW was targeting on purpose because the deer numbers and elk numbers were going so far down. So when you look at that, then you got to look in the mirror and say, well, I got to shot myself in the foot there. Right. And I mean, I think the, the one thing that I want to make sure that people are listening do voice your opinion the moment you hear this to figure out how, which we're working on as well, how to get it back, how to get it back to a vote and then get the correct info out to not just antis, that probably won't help much, but at least the general public that may not understand that, hey, number one, the bears are still getting killed by the Department of Wildlife or government trappers or, or hunter, however you want to look at it, because the, popu- the, the, do- well, the deer and elk population is going down so bad they're forced to. Two, nuisance bears. They're still getting killed. Um, there's more and more nuisance bear problems because of the vote years ago. Now there's nuisance bears and they're dying anyway because everybody likes the bear until it's in their garbage and fucking around their house, right? Then right. they're going to get killed anyway. So what we're going to need to do to get that back and then hopefully the Department of Wildlife can help us out with getting some of that literature, as you said, to to use um, to, to get it back. Are they... Are they releasing the numbers of how many bears are killed by the DOW and trappers, or that they kind of keeping that under wraps? That's where I'm going to uh, that testimonial department, or whatever it's called. Terrestrial department. Terrestrial department, and trying to talk to uh, Mary Lloyd or Janet George. Um, they think they're the ones to talk to. I think they would be on our side. Uh, I really have no reason to think that they wouldn't be. Um, this is a legislature now. I mean, it would be a, – Starting all over, it'd be going out. I don't know if it uh, is set out in front of a Cabela's or a Sportsman's Warehouse to get signatures from hunters or try to get to enough signatures to get this thing back on a ballot and put put in front of the correct, uh, you know, personnel and government to put it up for a vote again. But that's what we got to do. Um, well, what irritates me, and, and this is not the Department of Wildlife's fault, but the Department of Wildlife is always hurting for money. This is a good way to generate a, sh- a crap ton of revenue yeah quickly yeah. um and not have, have bears not go to waste i right. mean like the air was kind of touched on we kind of drifted off of it these bears are getting thrown in a ditch they're being left lay where they lay the only ones that ain't being left lay where they lay is the trouble bears that's being shot on somebody's sidewalk or somebody's backyard yeah they're gonna haul those off but they're just but the ones that are shooting a little buffer zone before they get into town are just left to lay so that that could be going on somebody's table. That could be going on somebody's wall. That is uh, a cherished, I mean, a bear always, everybody, I mean, if you're lucky and you're a good hunter, you're going to kill a deer, an elk every year, feed your family, put it in the freezer. A bear was that real luxury item that, you know, you just, you didn't leave that hide in the field and didn't pack it out. I mean, that's, you, you took everything out on a bear. Everything got used. We've so. got three of them in the office right now and two more coming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, and the thing is to me is I eat, I, now I wouldn't eat a grizzly, but I eat black bear. I think it's good. Now I make burger out of most of it um, just because I like chili, whatever. But a lot of people are kind of have this false sense of, I don't know what, the the bear is bad eating, Um, that, you know, they get put to waste. Well, okay, they're getting put to waste now, right? Without a doubt. So don't hunt them because a lot of people don't eat them. Well, they're getting killed already. Now for me, 
you know, for, we do bear roast. There's all kinds of different things you can do above and beyond. Obviously it is cool having a bear on the wall, but generating revenue for that, taking, not letting the bears lie, all these things you guys need to think about. And when it comes to a vote, if we can get this to a vote, don't hide in your mom's basement, get out and vote. Because I think with the correct information to the public of what's going on now, how many bears are getting killed and left to lay, hunters could take, you know, could go back to spring bear hunting again. Now, I don't know exactly how that's going to happen, and hopefully this podcast helps with that. But <laughs> Right. You know, it's also a legislature. I mean, how many people have been scouting, especially bow hunters? Uh, season opens up the 25th of August, last week in August, whatever it is. So people are up there scouting maybe the week before and the week before that. And everybody I talk to or, you know— backpack type type guys and getting into the back country and really glassing some hillsides and getting up first thing in the morning before the sun comes up, staying out until it comes back and walking to their tent with a flashlight because they're looking at the prime times, which we'll get into that subject on when, uh, you know, DOW actually does their, their herd counts. But everybody's spotting bears. Aaron, in the last broadcast, said they've seen 18 bears up in Marble, Colorado in one day. I mean, where I go, I mean, it's no different. And so with that said, it's it's like, oh, God, where was I going with that? Well, we were talking about as far as the probably getting that info to people as far as being able to spot the if, – if you're seeing 18 bears from one spot um, during your summer scouting – Oh, I know where I was going with There's it. a bear problem. Go right. ahead. So um, – God, I just lost it again. <laughs> I'll, maybe I'll say the same yeah, thing. Yeah. Well, and what I was talking about is we were scouting for mule deer in the high country. We were in the maroon bells and looking at, and that's the rut as well, right? We were in there in late June, mid June. The rut's kicking off. We were seeing so many bears that it was ridiculous. And then when we when we killed an elk and we had it hanging, um, we had multiple bears coming into camp. Now, here's what gets me: Why in the f is there a cap on bears? Why? Yeah, the day over the, the counter with caps licenses. Yeah, over the, that makes no sense. Now yeah. I'm not blaming the, the Colorado Department of Wildlife or whatever it's called now, um, but I think they can help us change that. Why would there be a cap when now maybe in some units there needs to be a cap, but I, there doesn't need to be a cap in the maroon bells. I can guarantee you that. Um, why is there a cap? Explain that to us, or somebody find that info out. We'll try to find it out, and then why in the F, does the season start a week after bow hunting season okay. starts? Glad, see, that, that's what I kept on forgetting, and it happened twice, so I finally <laughs> got to write it down. So Aaron's seeing 18 in one day. Where I go, I'm seeing, you know, multiple, multiple bears. Uh, and in a, in a three-day weekend, I'm seeing over 20 bears looking above timberline. So with that said, why does why did the season ever legislature start September 1st? Most of those bears that, that preseason – they're out there. They're where everybody can see them. Now your hunter has to wait till September 1st before they can go after these bears. By then, they've already been, the hunter's already been looking for elk, already been hunting deer, already been hunting elk a whole bit. And tracked all over the place. All over place. Now those bears have been bumped out of their normal stuff down into, two, you know, where it's hard to find them. So it'd be instrumental for bear harvest stats to go up dramatically. And, and, and that's not just a guess. I mean, the, the amount of bears you see, and they're so predictable that time of year um, that the season needs to start when bow season starts. Well, and, and let's say it goes to a vote and, you know, there's always wheeling and dealing. Is it legislation that changes that date? Okay, well, let's say 
It's like in Washington, okay, we can't get a spring bear season back. Let's say we can get spring bear season to start a lot earlier, let's say. I mean, just throwing shit on the wall here, but okay, instead of starting September 1st, okay, we don't get spring bear baiting back. Let's start that thing in June 15th, right, when the rut's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever the case may be to decrease the bear population so we're generating revenue from that because, I mean, I can tell you right now, June is a boring month. There's some fishing going on, right? Right. We're backpacking. But hunting-wise, open up a June season. Okay, no baiting, but open up a June season. I don't. You've hunted bears in the rut. Oh, yeah. It is. The first time I hunted them in the rut, example, I'm like, oh, must we're watching all these bears. There was a hot sow. Oh, that man, that one must have winded us. Well, then it runs back the other way. And then a big boar comes out and smacks the shit out of that little bear. He's just running to death trying to get out of the way of this <laughs> giant boar because there's a right, hot sow right, in this right. grassy area. Well, it's not like the normal um and i say concept but the normal ideal of a bear pops up while you're hunting elk and you shoot it you are able to target bears and 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 with strategic accuracy pinpoint where they will be a lot better and so any of these things would be better than just no season at all because they're getting killed anyway and yeah why the hell who 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 chose september 1st that makes no sense yeah and with that with that said also it's still keep everybody keep in mind because that was lost back when we lost our bear season it's illegal to shoot a sow with cubs it just it's illegal to do it well in that june i can't tell you how many times especially being a guide in alaska and doing the things i've done here in colorado how many cub bears i've seen killed by boars, which you can Google it. Any of you people that are on the fans watch can't that stand, shit on YouTube. It's, uh, it's violent. It's uh, <laughs> the and the reason why the boars do that is to put that sow back in season, so he has a chance to get laid before it's too late. So that's why he does it. Let's yeah, let's go over that again so people don't miss that. What happens is a sow has cubs. She will not go into estrus and until those cubs are gone, and so the boars two years old. Eat the babies. And I've seen it happen, and they chew them up like spaghetti, like stepping on their head, reefing on them. It's a grotesque thing. But then shortly after that, that sow goes back into estrus. And that, people don't ever, that's not on a billboard, right? I mean, no. people don't realize that shit, but it is violent when they do it. And, and it's so they get late again, like so, you said. So having this June season be instrumental f- for the for the bear populations as well, because you would, the hunters are going to be targeting the boar. Yeah. Because it's illegal to shoot the sow with cubs. So he is actually, if you're the person that has tears running down your cheek because this boar's up there killing all these cubs, well then let us help that. Yeah. Let us help that sow with her cubs by shooting the boar. Yeah. No, 100%. And I mean, again, we'll, I'm sure this can be another podcast, I mean, as we talk about it. But I think that with um, enough people with a voice and figuring out who we need to talk to, hopefully the Department of Wildlife can help us out this. Do we need to put it to a vote? Social media makes that easy, right? We uh-huh. can broadcast that all over social media. I got 50,000 followers. It takes 3,500 votes. I can get that, right? If we can get multiple other people, Steve Rinella, Remy Warren, Brian Call, a lot of these other people involved, um, Ben O'Brien, all these different people that have these different podcasts um, and spheres of influence, get it going. I mean, because even if you don't hunt bears in Colorado and you hunt elk, well, get your ass out there and vote and let's get this thing cranking because getting the proper, I mean, and again, I've talked to many, many non and anti-hunters 
they don't have any clue that boars eat sows, right? They don't. They don't have any clue that DOW agents, the bear population is so high, they have a kill order to kill on site because the, the, the doe or the fawn and the calf population is getting decimated by these bears, getting that info out. And then, yeah, if it's just a June season, I would take that. June season would do wonders, whatever it takes. But Right. Um I mean, like like Alaska for once, they there was multiple units, and I can't remember if we talked this about last, but last podcast, but they shut down moose units, they shut down all over the place because they couldn't get the bears under control. So they finally did a predator control act and got it passed through. Now they've opened up every single one of those units because they're able to harvest a bunch of bears. Um, and we need to do the same thing. I mean, it's obvious. So the shortcut. To me, as far as the DOW goes, if you can only legally do it or justify it and somehow get past legislature, override them, instead of calling bear hunters bear hunters, call them bear contractors. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're doing now anyway. Yeah. Um, just call me a contractor. I don't care what you call me. Just let me put that bear in my freezer. And even if it – I mean, this is something that happens in Washington. You're on a, a – you're a, 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 for depredation hunts. You go in and qualify with a bow for the nuisance bears, and then your local Department of Wildlife agent calls you. There's a nuisance bear. You go in. It's with a bow, so it's quiet. You take care of that nuisance bear. You get to keep it, um, and you pay to be on that team just so they can generate revenue from that. Whatever sales pitch you got to throw at this to get it to happen, I think is not just you know for the bears, but the deer and elk population. I mean, that's a big picture as well, and so – I mean, I agree with you. And, and if there needs to be a qualification where you, you know, for like a depredation type of a thing where you shoot a paper plate five times out of six or whatever it is, I mean, I'm I'm up. But it's open to the court. Let's hear what we need to do. If anybody from the Division of Wildlife is listening, if we don't know, instruct us because you know better than us. Tell us what we need to do to make it happen because – one, it's going to generate revenue for you, but two, it's going to help elk and deer hunting. And if there's any DOW guys listening, we're not. We we know there's certain bears we cannot hunt. We know the ones that are walking down a sidewalk, walking, getting into the grease bucket behind McDonald's over there in Trinidad. Those ain't the bears you're going to allow a hunter to shoot. Those that's some that's going to be your job because there's some liability there. We're talking about the buffer zone outside of town. Do you know those bears? Those bears ain't sleeping in somebody's backyard and waiting until somebody throws the grease out. They're walking from the hills, so we can you could things could be done to where the bears not wasted. And the numbers are controlled. Right. And there's revenue generated. And revenue generated for it. Because, I mean, you talk about um, – and we've probably beat let's, – let's move on to the biologist portion of it because this is – it'll, okay. it'll kind of transfer over. One of the things that, that, that Harold and I have talked about in, in great depth is when you talk about the, the population counts, the numbers, the cow to calf, the total numbers, um, you know, without – the, the How that data is gathered, is it gathered from a helicopter, from DOW agents, from biologists on the ground counting? What time do they count? Are they, are they hiking up to count sheep at 10 o'clock in the morning or are they hiking in at 4 so they're watching when the sun first comes up? A lot of – I won't say excuses because it's, it's an excuse, but a lot of blowback I've gotten is there's not enough money for flight time for people to fly over because – so like the spring bear would generate revenue for flight time. It's expensive to fly a helicopter. That would help. Now, I, I'll have you dive in after this as far as those population counts. Yeah, well, what, also, well, what would also help is to 
is for the DOW to have to give credibility to people like Aaron Snyder, to Frank, to a lot of the guys out there that they know are wearing a backpack. They know they know how to wear use optics, and this is their passion. Um, you can't. A lot of guys, you know. I mean, I'll, I wouldn't say a lot of guys, but I, I I'm around hunting my whole life. I've been guiding now for 33 years, so. I've been able to call bullshit within about 30 seconds of a lot of people that uh, that feel they have all the answers and do all the stuff. I'm talking about somehow, whether it's qualifications of or being able to prove yourself, uh, whether with with previous guiding, uh, people you know in the industry, pictures you've taken of sheep, the knowledge of a unit that you have, some kind of uh, a resume that you can give the DOW say, hey, when I come in and I say there's sheep here or there isn't sheep here take my word for it you need to give me some credibility i feel that i do have some and i know aaron does i know there's certain people out there that that the dow should listen to because if we were out there doing it for you on the ground backpacking in i mean backpacking in i mean we're talking there so you're there for when the sun comes up come back eat mountain house then you're there in the evening to come to see that last twilight where you can't see no more. So you're walking back to your tent with a sleep with your flashlight. You are getting the most accurate times of when the sheep are going to be out. So who in the DOW is going to do that? I, I I would like to know. I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying the numbers you guys have compared to the experience I have in some of these units aren't even remotely close. So start letting us help you. Then you might not even need to have a budget for a plane because I know it's a waste of time. Because when you guys go up there and fly, I mean, I do this in Alaska. I mean, we take documentation where I guide for doll sheep, and it's, it's, it's amazing the amount of sheep you could see. Of course, in Alaska, with it being 24 hours of sunshine, we go out at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. You would think it'd be dark. It isn't there, but it's the perfect. There's no wind shears, and the, and the, and the sheep stand out like neon signs. As soon as the sun comes up, and I'm looking at doll sheep against black granite, 10 o'clock in the afternoon, it's hard to find sheep. And even though they are white and it's still the black granite, it, it's, it's hard to find them. Now you're trying to look at a bighorn sheep that's already the same color as the granite, and they come back in the trees by 10 o'clock. I used to do hunt uh, sheep counts for the DOW, involved as a volunteer, show up over there in Georgetown, and the DOW guys would show up at 9, 10 o'clock with coffee, and or they're volunteers too and i've already been up there and i back down in the parking lot they're thinking i'm just now starting i've already been up and back and i guarantee you the sheep i was looking at at six o'clock in the morning and i watched them feed and do everything walk back in the trees by about 8 39 o'clock those sheep will not get counted in their survey because there's no way they can see them because i couldn't see them when i left Right. No, and I think that uh, from talking with my local DOW agent this morning, one of the things that uh, if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I'm qualified. Okay, well, I think it's important that you call your local biologist and at the very least let them know you are ready, willing, and able to do these counts so they know there is actually people out there. So if you think the count is off in your area, if you don't think it's correct – Call your local Department of Wildlife Biologists, let them know your name and your info, and let them know, hey, one, I have viable info for you, and two, if you're going to do a count, if you need a group of people pulled together, I'm your man, and I will pull people up to help as well, because I just don't think these numbers are accurate. I, I can say in Washington, I brought this up to you for mountain goats, 
the numbers were so fucked up it wasn't even close. Like I had a photo of more when in one photo I had more mountain goats in one photo than they said were in that unit. And that was in one picture. Mm -hmm. So again, do your part in calling in, letting them know who you are, your info, you're more than willing, you're going to help. And that if you think that info is incorrect, don't be an asshole, but say, hey, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time believing this. I know it to be true that it is wrong. Here's why. And let them know because... I talk to Dawson frequently, and but Dawson knows his shit. I mean, Dawson's in there. I mean, he's a go-getter, so he knows the numbers. Uh, but even still, I'll bounce stuff off him, what he's seen, giant moose, big elk, whatever. But I don't – there is not very many people like him. And there's certainly a lot of – I mean, I hate to say it. There's some shitty biologists out there, and I think you've Are they, are they like, documenting well. how, they're, how they're getting their counts or, you know – whether they're flying or whether they're using volunteers or they're doing the manpower or is this all documented dawson has he did he read it off to me this morning but i don't think all of them do yeah and that's why i want to go to this uh you know miss mary lloyd uh janet george and 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 find out uh you know that's another question that involves that same department other than just with the bears of how they come up with their numbers and um and in how many days it took to come up with those numbers I mean, when I'm when I'm scouting for sheep, and I know they don't have the man hours as possible to do this, is this why they need the tap on our resource that we're willing to give them? No pay, not charge, it's not cost them a thing. It's just when I go up there scouting, I'm like, okay, this trip, I saw, shit, man, this is a bad trip. I only saw two rams this weekend. Right. Following weekend, I go to another drainage. Oh, shit, this is a lot better. I've seen a dozen rams. Then you get another dredge, you're just kind of void, didn't see a whole lot of anything. And then, but while I'm doing this, I'm also seeing deer. I'm also seeing elk. So you're accomplishing so much at the same time, not just sheep, because now you're catching the cows Ooh. when they're. I, I got to interrupt you because this is important. A prime example of this is the one year we hunted, I'm not going to mention units or names, we saw I don't know how many deer. Okay, like. A, a ridiculous amount. The next year, we sent a buddy in there with a rifle tag, saw no deer in 10 days. Now, is his, he a shitty glasser? Did the deer move out? But if you think about it, if they take the info from that unit off that guy, okay, he, he, he used a lot of points to draw that tag. He saw no deer. Well, to me, that's a fucked up, skewed vote. Like, he doesn't, he shouldn't, I'm not saying he shouldn't, right? He's going to report what mm -hmm. he saw, but let's say he's just a bad glasser. He right. saw no deer. But that they take that info from that guy and judge that off of the tag allocations for the next year. I don't think that's right. No. I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's correct. So that also has to do with like the time of year the counts are being done, which you were talking about before the podcast. Right. When is it when is it being done? Yeah. And how are they using that info to allocate the tags? Well, I I guess what I'm getting at is we we spent we send Harold Frank and myself in. We're going to find some shit, right? And we are. We all got yeah. high-end glass. We're not a glass. Well, you send three other chuckleheads in there that can't glass, which could be hunters, right? And they're mm -hmm. judging it off of that. And then they base tag allocation and population off that. That's a fucking skewed vote, right? That's just right. not correct info. And I, I, I'll quit going on and on about this, but that was one thing that just popped up. I'm not saying that guy is a bad glass or anything else, but I know damn good and well we went in there the next year and it was loaded with deer. Yeah. But- He's going to go and he's going to report when they call. He's going to say, I saw no deer. I had a piss poor hunt. I didn't shoot shit. 
that I don't think that helps the population numbers. No, it's got it's got to be independent. It's got to be over a time span. It can't be okay. We got enough budget for a plane, you know, August first uh, from um, nine o'clock in the morning till two o'clock in the day, and when you base everything off of that, and you can't. And then the DOW always is f- famous for like, well, then we put a fudge factor in there. If we only saw two, that means we saw 20. Or if we saw 20, that means we only, I mean, they come up with this fudge factor based on the fact that they don't have the the time to go up there to give it a fair shake. Where if you had guys like Aaron goes up this weekend, I go up next weekend, Frank goes up the following weekend, that one weekend we go up all together, hit different drainages with the sole purpose of doing what we're doing over a time span it takes. Because it's, I might go up there today and see a dozen rams. Man, I can't wait to get up the following morning because I want to get a better look at him. I'm going to have a different outlook. I'm going to be closer with my spotting scopes. I can really see if he's a full crow ram. And he doesn't show up. I know he's there. I saw him the day before. But now if I'm one of those, if I'm the plane flying over or the people go up there doing the counts, they show up that second day, they don't see squat. If they just showed up the day before that, they were rams all over the place. Right. So you can't do it on a one-day deal. you got to do it over a time period. And that's the only way you're going to come up with herd counts. And I don't care what anybody says. And while I'm waiting for that sheep, I'm glassing a mile, two, three miles away, and I'm seeing this herd of 60 elk above timberline. I'm seeing over that drainage and this drainage. Then I go back to the paperwork the DOW has, so they get a total count of what they think is in the unit. And I'm like, God, I saw more than that on a three-day weekend. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, again, we're not bashing the DOW here. We're more Letting them know, I guess, one, that, I mean, the three of us in this room are more than willing to help. But two, if it is a problem, what do we need to do as, as, as citizens and hunters to help fix it? Because there's certain numbers that I've seen come across my plate on what's in a unit, mm-hmm. that same as you, where I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> That's not even remotely close. Yeah. Well, and and that... This isn't just to increase tags. This may be to decrease tags because there's other units where I've seen people say there's X amount of whatever mule deer, sheep, or goats, and it's not – I don't feel it's so. The, the population right. is less. And it's like, did you copy and paste from 10 years ago? That shit isn't right. I've been all over that unit, and I did not see the numbers of, of animals that, that I'm looking at that you're saying are there. Right. And the flip side, and that does work the other way, where the you, it takes 10 years to draw this tag. Man, I drew a a high-end tag, and I'm up there doing scouting, and I'm not seeing any deer. I'm not seeing any elk. I'm like, okay, and I, I'm not trying to put myself above anybody else, but I, when I have a, if I got 10 years invested into a tag, I'm going to do yeah, my you, homework. You can put yourself above a lot of people, Harold. I'm, I wouldn't worry about that. I'm, I mean, I'm going to do my homework. S32 S- is a good example, right? in my opinion. How right. many people do you know still put in for S32 as a premier tag? Right. A lot, right? I right. do. <laughs> they do. A, yeah. And is it a premier unit anymore? It has its pockets, but it's not. I mean, when the DOW finally realized that when they take a certain amount of sheep out of there to transplant over to Left Hand Canyon, to transplant over to the Hayman Burn and feed all the mountain lions. Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> Fuck, I love you, Harold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they, they, <laughs> that's almost the same as roadkill, you know? But they, oh, um, there's a lot of sheep there once they realize they're taking all those mature rams out of 32 and they're transplanting them over to here, transplanting over there because they're easy go-to rams. They can salt them off the hill, shoot a net over them, whatever. 
once you start doing that, eventually you affect the population. And it used to be just a bow unit. Then they changed it to a rifle unit. Now the rifle has more tags than the bow hunters do. So they're really decimating the heck out of that unit. So like anywhere, animals find their places to hide. So it's not like in front of God and everybody, you drive up to Empire, you go to Georgetown and all that kind of stuff. And you look at Rams, you're going to different places. Well, it, uh, Amy, right, my, my fiance, she... We used to see rams all the time off for I-70, and I'm like, yeah, we killed them and they got transplanted. And yeah. she's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, look, here's – and I'll just say it because I don't hunt S-32, and I'm going to apologize for anybody puts in for it. <laughs> yeah. You drive up to that bridge. You park beside the bridge. You look up those four big drainages. This is how I did it mm-hmm. to help. We would spot them. We would drive out. We would take that fucked up ass dirt road to the very top, the mining road. We would go down that ridge line and we'd be able to look down. This is how it used to work. Right. Um, and you can chime in because you've hunted up there too. That shit don't work anymore, right? Those sheep are gone. Uh-huh. I mean, the pockets you're talking about, you may occasionally see a banana head. You may occasionally see a three-quarter curl ram. The only time I see big rams there now, a lot of times are off the side of the road or in the pockets you're talking about. That is not the S32 of 1995 to 2005 or six. where, I mean, and, and chime in if you think I'm wrong, like you said, they apple pulped them, they netted them, they moved them. Um, a lot of hunters got in there, figured out how to hunt them, and those fucking sheep are gone. There's some crankers in there, but you have got to know that unit. And I know guys that have hunted it and called me, I cannot find a ram. What should I do? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell you how to shoot one of the very few big rams left in that unit (laughs) because you became my friend because you heard i know where the rams are you're fucking only calling me to kill that big ram but they they listen to hunting fool that's fucking part of the problem right right there hunting fool s32 is not the unit it used to be is it the dow's fault is it hunter's fault i don't know but that is a prime example that unit is not good anymore and uh, and as I say that, if you're an out-of-state hunter, definitely put in for that unit. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, what it, it, would you agree with most of what I've— It's not It's not what it used to be. You, wouldn't, you ain't seen those those sheep in front of God and everybody. I mean, they just ain't standing out no more. Um, I've, I've helped multiple people, um, very good friends of mine. One, just last year, he's also a guide with me and Jonah uh, up in Alaska. He drew the S32 tag. Um, where he was going and where we were doing our scouting, we got into rams, never saw another soul. And we saw s- some really good rams. Right. But like anywhere, the rams are going to get tired of being shot. They're going to get tired of being netted. They're going to be tired of this, that, and the other. So they're going to go, the smart rams, the older rams, say, I'm tired of that shit. I'm going to go somewhere else. Well, and if you know what ram behavior, the lead ram is the one that's smart, and that's yeah. where the other ones go. And so he's going to bring along a lot of the other rams with him. So. Right. And uh, like uh, down south in the unit that I uh, used to, you know, help with the Division of Wildlife, you know, uh, I'd really like to talk to the officer there because he's thinking there's less sheep. And if you just think about it, you know, with the 14,000-foot craze going around in Colorado, 13,000-foot craze, and they go all the way down to the 12,000 as far as people put on a backpack wanting to climb all these. Hallelujah. Great. That's fine. I'm not knocking that. Everybody has a right to enjoy the outdoors any way they want to. But what that does, those sheep that were hanging out on those same mountains now that, that are being influenced by people 24-7 from now with people up there with their ice axes till the end of September— 
those sheep are getting tired of being bumped. They're getting tired of somebody on that mountain. So what they've done, they've changed their habits. They moved into the trees. They moved into lower elevations. You're seeing sheep in those units down there. I never used to see sheep. Now, there still are some above timberline, and I think that's the ones that DOW are counting. They're not counting the other two-thirds of them that they never see. Well, in, in that same unit, I'm pretty sure we're talking about in— um you know what? I'm not even going to say what I was just about to say because it's going to give some things away. But there was we are um, talking about the same one. Yeah, some of the areas we saw in early season scouting, there was area, there was sheep in areas that I would have never imagined we were spotting sheep. Right. Like it's not sheep habitat, and what I depict is sheep habitat, and I'm like, we're two thousand feet above them, looking. And I'm right. looking 2,000 feet below, just basically looking for mule deer and elk, and there's sheep. Yeah. And I'm like— I'm finding sheep in the aspen trees. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and I was like super, like, holy cow. But it was a big eye-opener for me of they figured out the game, right? They right. moved. And just like in 32, if I didn't want to get killed at McDonald's, I'm going to go start going to Arby's, right? I'm going to go somewhere <laughs> else. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's true. And, and I guess that's for me, like— you know, I want to make sure that you guys understand, don't just bitch. If you have an issue with that population count, call the local biologist and let them know, one, you do have, you think it's incorrect, but two, volunteer to help and explain, too why. Like if you come at it and under and let them know the drainages you're in and everything else where you're seeing them, hopefully they take that as constructive criticism or look at it and be like, well, we've never looked in that drainage. You know what I mean? Or right. whatever. I don't know that they'll do that, but hopefully... Well, and while we're talking about sheep um, and something that I kind of will really hold the DOW accountable to, where I can't help but feel there's a prejudice towards bow hunting, is this year, and this is the first time they've done it, at least that I've noticed that I keep a pretty good guy on this, I caught it right away, is sheep season in Colorado for archery is 11 days shorter than rifle season. Right. I mean, how the hell does that happen? Yeah. I mean... I, I doubt when there, I really like to call them out on that. And I can't imagine how they're going to give me any kind of answer that I'm going to be okay with. It's like, you're not harvesting enough sheep is what you hear. Well, then if you want me to harvest more sheep, why the heck would you take away the tax? Right. Basically, the bow hunters aren't harvesting enough to decrease the population to keep the numbers at what they're wanting. So rather than give them maybe more time or allocate maybe more tags, they take away time, and they actually gave rifle hunters more tags, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, rifle hunters have 34 days. We got 23. Yeah. So, And it's not overly easy tipping anything over, especially in sheep with a bow. So why would you take time away from a bow hunter? Um, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me, especially a ram um, bumping the season earlier, in my opinion, isn't going to affect uh, – there's nothing going on in a ram's life if you brought it instead of August 4th to – july 20th or whatever there's right. nothing going on in july 20th or give us not... the month of august into, yeah. into september exactly you know? yeah um that uh and they used to do that um but they don't they don't anymore and they that's why i can't help but feel there's some kind of prejudice towards bow hunters or that time of year whatever it might be whether they don't want to they're always catering to like i always say refer to the republic of boulder type stuff you know you got the people up there in the spandex doing their hiking and doing their mountain climbing and they're kind of saying man we don't want those guys to see a bow hunter we don't want them to see bows we don't want to see them out there so well how do they come up with the number thinking there's going to be less people climbing those mountains in spandex august 15th compared to august 1st yeah i mean how do they how what i so i don't know i don't think it's that 
But then I say that, then you can only hunt moose a certain distance away from Bernard Lake. You can only hunt, you know, goats and sheep. You can't hunt them on the weekends. You got to be a half mile from, I mean, like they're doing all kinds of things to kind of keep this out of the public eye. They just need to remind the public that hunting season is going on. Yeah. Yeah. Now I will say I do, there, there is a couple goat units that I, I do not disagree with not having a bow season for mountain goats on the weekend in a couple specific units I can think of because I, it would give, I, I feel a pretty a black eye to hunting, not to hide from, from the public, but the, those goats live where hundreds of hikers walk through. Oh yeah. They, and, they and feed them. That's, I was, yeah, that's the fucking problem. And I could, <laughs> I mean, please don't give me a ticket. Anyone listening, my daughter fed goats Doritos there and the, the, literally the goats, when she brought her Dorito bag out to eat them, they knew, they knew what the fuck yeah. that bag was. They were coming in right. hot. And so, you know, the hikers are feeding those animals. And so it makes it difficult as a hunter to, to go harvest an animal or kill a goat when those goats are hanging around the trails waiting to get fed and petted and played with. Plus, and, that and, makes them taste different. I don't like the Doritos in the first place. Right, and their faces, they get red face. They look like the devil. Um, that one was eating out of Kaylee's Dorito bag. Its face was red as shit. Yeah. And I'm like, huh. And, of course, I probably shouldn't have let her do that. But my my point being is if you're hunting a, a mountain goat, and you've probably seen this, I have a ton, and 15 hikers walk through a group of 50 goats, and they don't blink an eye, I mean, those goats are pretty much used to the hikers feeding them or right. the hikers being around. So in that case, I can see where that probably comes from. But again, I mean, you, you definitely, the Republic of Boulder, they definitely cater to that um, a lot. And then the problem is that they're worst enemy. If there's somebody that's, uh, and I do agree that, I guess I didn't think that through. They weren't, it's illegal to feed them, but I would get a ticket for it. They know what's going on. If the DOW was policing people feeding goats as much as they police a meat hunt within a half mile of where the people are feeding the goats. They'd get more helicopter time, I can tell you that. They'd get more <laughs> helicopter time, yeah. And and now the goats would now be not down there on the trail to get fed. Yeah. I mean, that's my point. Well, and I, I've got to say I've gotten into a couple epic battles, a little off the subject, but uh, me with my camera off of um, – a, uh, in a spot I shouldn't have been taking photos. Um, and and the guy magically got off his fat ass to hike down to tell me he's going to write me a ticket for taking these photos. And I said, hey, man, I understand you're doing your job and I understand I'm in the wrong. But why is it you have this epic hard on for me every time of year in the rut? You look for me, right? You look for me taking these photos. Now, I can tell you as I've taken these photos, I've seen multiple hikers and runners off the trail. Where was your fat ass for them, right? You didn't come right. down. You've targeted me. And that's you want to target me, that's fine. But why aren't you targeting these hikers? You're only targeting me with my camera. I'm not hunting them, obviously. But the same thing does seem to happen with hunters where um, – I, can, I don't know how many times. I mean, Montezuma is a great example. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Well, um, if if they if it's illegal to bait, it's illegal. you could domesticate any animal out there. And the, and the problem is those people, if they're feeding those goats, they have some influence. Like, why would anybody want to hunt a goat? I mean, they come up to my car. They come up to my Dorito bag. I mean, how can you even call this a hunt? What they don't realize, those ain't what the hunters are hunting. Right. They're not even seeing the goats the hunters are hunting. 
Um, they're up on knife edges. They're whatever. But the problem is with them doing down there breaking the law that they never get a ticket for, they're drawing those goats more and more to that area that I can't hunt them as a bow hunter or a rifle hunter or whatever. I just purely can't hunt them. And it's being, they're pulling them off places I can illegally. Legally. I mean, nobody's doing anything about it. Right. If they weren't feeding them, then I, they wouldn't have to have a half mile buffer. Right. No, no, I understand. And I mean, I understand the, 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 I, you know, whatever, there's not enough Department of Wildlife agents to go around as well. Um, but it is a little bit of a slap in the face when you see that go on. And I only climb a 14 or when there's an animal on the top to, to shoot, you know, uh-huh. right. I mean, I'm not going to bullshit anyone. I've climbed a few, but, um, you know, the, 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 um, different tag allocations for different units, different numbers of animals. Um, there's always, you go into one unit completely different. What we're talking about now is total moot point. That shit doesn't happen. You go into another unit, the encroachment of people and hikers on that, especially for mountain goats, even more than sheep, is a problem. And I can understand why I don't have hunting on those weekends because of that. But again, they, the hikers going in there that have a vote say, oh, look at this white fluffy animal on the side of the trail or whatever else. What they may not look at is if there's too many mountain goats, they beat the shit out of the bighorn sheep. Um, it happened down in what S17 or uh, G17 um, uh, Independence Pass. The uh, Department of Wildlife was forced to, to just crush the mountain goat population because they were beating the living shit out of the sheep. It was, it was, do you know about this? Did you ever hear well, that? Well, I, I'd like to, I'd like to see proof of it because you go to like British Columbia, you go to Canada, you go to all these other places where there's goats and sheep together that do it all the time and never an issue. Colorado seems to be the only place they don't want them intermingling. And, and that was the, well, as I say that if I'm misspeaking any, anybody listening in, please correct me. But what I was told the, and I think it's seven, G17, but it's off Independence Pass um, in that area. The mountain goats were kicking the shit out of the sheep, so they increased significantly the tags. There is no more goats off the side of the road in this unit um, to help the population of the bighorn sheep increase because they were just getting the crap beat out of them. If I'm wrong on that, I apologize. I'd like to hear the correct info, but that's the info I was told from a Department of Wildlife agent. And I know it happened, you know, as far as increasing the tags. It's even listed as a as a unit like that, actually, when you apply. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the word is or the verbiage is. But um, again, were the counts correct? You know, those are the things I'm curious about. I'm not I'm not uh, bashing the DOW for this in any way, but I'm saying were the, were the counts correct? Was that a one-time occurrence that a big billy just gouged the shit out of a sheep out of, you know, just pure blind shit house, well, bad luck for the sheep? Or was this an ongoing occurrence of, of biologists actually watching through the spotter and goats crushing sheep? What would you know? be great is to get a biologist in the room in British Columbia and in BC and then get a biologist in the room from Colorado or get a biologist from all these other states that have zero problem with goats being in the same territory as sheep. And, and have Colorado explain why they do. Um, I, I, I would like to hear that battle. I can say firsthand in some of the areas, one where that really big um, goat is that yeah. you and I are talking about, there was a mule deer, a mountain goat, and a bighorn sheep within 200 yards of each other frolicking around eating willows. <laughs> they, they all seem to get along okay. Um, 
I, I can't say I, I've been in that unit a bunch for mule deer off that Independence Pass area, just looking around trying to find the one because mm-hmm. there's some big mule deer in there. But part of the problem is, too, is there's a lot of hikers in there. There's a shit ton. Right. And that's one of the reasons I don't hunt that is it's just covered in, in people. Um, but, yeah, I, I would I would be interested to hear some info. And I've heard there's videos of that happening, uh, the, the, the goats, you know, beating up on the sheep. I've just never seen it. Now, you talk about whitetails and mule deer. I've seen whitetails kick shit out of mule deer. They're much more aggressive. They're much more aggressive. I've seen it too. And I've seen goats want to kick the shit out of me. Yeah, I have seen that too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they, they, they can be aggressive. Um, but are you trying to tell me that you can't, if there's one billy or there's a goat up there that wants this 30-yard by 30-yard area to grit to eat, that that sheep is going to say, okay, well, then you have this 30 yards. I'm going to go over here and have another 30 yards. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the whole mountain range. I don't I don't get that one. Yeah, I would be curious to to see. I would like to see the video if it happened. Just be cool to watch yeah, a, a billy be. beat up a bighorn because I've never, never seen it. And again, I guess maybe I give myself more credit than maybe I should because I'm in the woods so much. I have seen whitetail bucks breed mule deer does. I've seen whitetail bucks hammer mule deer bucks i've never seen a mountain goat look up and charge after a bighorn sheep mm-hmm. i haven't i've never even seen it remotely come close to that i i mean now i have come over cliff edges and had goats standing there and they're coming right they get they get pissed oh, they'll start rolling rocks too. oh yeah yeah they, yeah, <laughs> yeah they're smarter than people give them credit <laughs> so, for yeah, they'll start rolling rocks <laughs> yeah that, i've had them do that it's like look over and they with their front toes they're purposely tossing rocks on you yeah, no, no, for sure. So uh, on that one, I guess to, to cap that that portion of the subject uh, or that, that subject is if you feel the counts are off, um, you're able, willing, have the time, contact your local DOW agent, contact your local biologist, let them know what you're seeing, let them know if they think they're wrong, why, and that you're more than willing to backpack in and help do, do counts. Um, I mean, would you agree with that? 100%. Cool. So the next thing is, um, oh, cap on non-resident tags um, and how that pertains, let's say, like uh, with with wolves in other states. And I'll give a brief description of this and I'm going to pop smoke real quick because I got to pee. The out-of-state hunters in Colorado um, are at an all-time high, um, especially, you know, on over-the-counter type units. And a lot of that, and I agree with Harold, is because of the wolf issue in other states. Now, is there is some other states that you can get over-the-counter tags for elk, not as many, not like Colorado. And so you have actually the numbers for the last couple of years for out-of-state hunters, don't you, coming in? Uh, for total tags being sold in, right. in, uh, in the over-the-counter. Right. And so... I agree 100%, but like right now, as much hate as I'm going to get from out-of-state hunters, I don't have an issue with capping um, or limiting the amount of over-the-counter tags for out-of-state hunters as it's adversely affecting uh, the population as well as the hunting enjoyment in Colorado. And I'm saying that because I see how many people are coming into Colorado and I'm not saying taking advantage it's it's public land and and there is an unlimited amount of tags for out of state hunters putting a cap on that I don't understand why we wouldn't take a cap off of bear hunting right no caps right and add a cap to 
elk hunting or mule deer hunt, well, elk hunting specifically, that makes seems common sense to me, right? But yeah. we're not. It probably go ahead. More, more to do with the money, though, right? They want to sell the tags. I would say tags. they're probably going to say no, but that seems like uh, money is going to be the, the driven factor <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. All right. I got to pee. Go ahead, guys. Um, what I kind of feel that, uh, um, you know, when you talk about putting caps, they're going to say, oh, we're not going to do that. It's like if you're a hunter, you know where it's coming from. You know what's going to come to this. I put in for Arizona. The max they ever have in Arizona for non-resident is 10%. That, not to exceed 10%. So if they're, you say you're putting in for a unit and there's 10 tags available, um, 10% of 10 is one tag. Well, let's say all the names got pulled out of the hat and they never got to a non-resident. So in that unit, no non-residents got a tag. Um, but for the whole state, unit-wide, counting all the units, it's never going to exceed 10%. And all states are like that. New Mexico is down to 3%. No, max 3% non-residents hunting their state. So you get into that kind of stuff, and then you're like, well, we don't want to be the bad guy. And the other thing Colorado does, is that they, if it's all about money, it's like we're the only state other than Nebraska that I can think of that don't make you buy a small game license to hunt their state. So it's like total blackmail, like uh, like Arizona – whether it be Arizona, New Mexico, Montana, Wyoming, you got to buy their small game license. So Arizona, since I'm on Arizona kick, for example, it's $165 to buy their small game license. So it costs me $165 a year just to get a preference point. And I know I'm just getting a preference point because it takes 20 years to draw a tag. So I was telling Aaron earlier off the air, I got 31 sheet points. But they, they, in Arizona, they give you a loyalty point, and I also took their hunter safety. So actually, I got 29 that I bought and paid for. When you do the math on that, I got right around $8,000 worth of preference points. <laughs> you so got a that's small a, car? That's a lot of, that's a lot of revenue. That, that me, one person, gave them money for a plane or a helicopter to go do their herd counts. That's just one person. So you think about the amount of people to put in for that state, how much revenue that brings in. So why can't Colorado do it too? They're going to say, well, then people will quit coming here. Well, <laughs> there's no – every other state does it, so they have no choice but to come here. And we got more national forests and public lands than any other state. Not more, but more opportunity because we have the unlimited tags. Right. So it's uh, – they can do a lot of things to make money, and they they're not – doing things to make money. Uh, they're trying to push it back in other revenues or I don't, I, I just don't get it. You can see so many things they could do. They could lobby to bring back our spring bear season. I don't know how many tags they were selling back in the day because that was all over the counter for spring bear hunting. Um, that had to be a ton of revenue. Yeah. Making yeah. everybody buy a small game license in the state of, that hunts the state of Colorado. That's got to bring a ton of revenue. It, it does. And I can understand. I mean, out-of-state hunters are going to listen to this and get pissed. And, and I can understand that. But if you are looking at it from a conservation perspective, all right, you're the big picture, um, I mean, that money's going to go to conservation, whether it be for the, I don't know, whatever, the medical insurance for Department of Wildlife agent or helicopter time or whatever. It's going to go into the large pie chart that goes into paying for um, – what it takes to manage the wildlife of the state of Colorado. So 
is it more money? Yes. Is it kind of a kick in the ding ding because you have to pay more? Yes. But if you're not being selfish and you're worried about the conservation um, of the state of Colorado for the animals and wildlife, I mean, you may just have to deal with that shit because you like coming out here to hunt. You may have to pay a little more. It's better than Montana. Fuck, we just bought two Montana tags. It was $1,800 for two elk tags in Montana. Yeah, yeah. That'll keep you out of the state. Bring about <laughs> shit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly. And I've, I've hunted Montana up till just last year. There was, you didn't have to put in because you could just, they had leftover tags because they took them away from the outfitters and put them back in the public draw, which another reason why I'm sure the DOW, and there's no question about it, they are totally into the outfitters. Um, that's why we have pretty much no limit on the amount of the non-residents come in here because the non-residents, quite frankly, there's got to be a high percentage of them are going to be using an outfitter. So I think the DOW is way influenced by outfitters. Uh, that's my personal opinion. But with my pea-sized brain, that's just the kind of way it works. I mean, you want to sell as many tags as you can to make money. And something has happened for the outfitters. Why would you allocate so many tags to landowners? Right. And you look at the landowner tag. Landowner, he gets it. He sells it to a broker for elk tags, usually $10,000 in some of the high-end units. Then that broker sells it to an outfitter. He's going to make you know some money on it. So he sells it for a couple thousand dollars more. Then he turns around and sells it to the hunter for a couple thousand dollars more. So when you do all that, you add all that up, I mean, it's uh, – uh, it's way influenced right. by oh, the right. outfitters. And a, a, a lot more in some units than others. Some units, it doesn't make as big of a deal. In other units, it makes a huge, huge deal, especially when you look at a, a unit that, um, what's one of the more, there's two, 201, 10, uh, what is it, 70? 61. 61. 61. What's 76. That? Yeah, 61. What's that take for an in-state hunter now, 12 or 13? I think or, so. And then uh, out-of-states even more. Those units are the ones where it's really going to be, you know, a big deal. But, I, I mean, I think that, um, you know, I mean, talking about this and as much hate mails I'll probably get from it, I, I don't see that it's unfair to um, potentially put a cap on out-of-state uh, over-the-counter tags, where I guess it would be more of a draw then, but a cap, you got to bear with cap. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Or doing something else to potentially increase the revenue for the state of Colorado, because as much as I uh, probably hate a DOW agent when I'm doing something wrong, there's times where I've wanted to tackle dudes off four-wheelers, driving all over Hell's Half Acre, fucking up the environment, that there's not a DOW agent there to to come give them a ticket. There's just not enough people. Um, there's not enough people to do counts. There's just not enough revenue there. And and if you're into conservation, I mean, you should suck it up and probably just have to yeah, deal with it. Yeah, you have to it. ask them who catches most of the poachers, who catches the most illegal activities. Hunters. Because hunters turn in, not other hunters, but jerks. Yeah, yep. I mean, when they, you see bullet holes at a stop sign, you see bullet holes in somebody's mailbox, people driving along, goes, oh, those damn hunters. That's not a hunter doing that. This is some asshole with a gun. Yep. A hunter is a guy that would turn that guy in if right. he caught him doing it. Oh, yeah. And I I mean, he's probably listening because we talked to him this morning, but I tackled a guy off a four-wheeler in the one unit. Um, thank God he didn't call, but he was driving through basically the best elk habitat in the one area. And- I saw him go in and I couldn't catch him. He's on a four-wheeler. I was like, all right, I'll get you coming out. And uh, he saw me and I got in the way and said, hey, and I was going to yell at him or whatever. And, you know, that this the Department of Wildlife, he can't be everywhere. Of course, I didn't call him and tell him about this because I believe that would probably be a class three assault. Yeah. But 
I tackled him off his four-wheeler, and uh, we went round and round for a second. And I'm like, hey, dickhead, you're driving in the best elk habitat with your four-wheeler because he was too fucking lazy. Well, you only got one DOW agent for that area. How right. the hell is he supposed to be everywhere? Now, if I would have turned the guy in, I mean, what would have happened? I've turned in a few other people in different units that nothing happened. And, I mean, there's just not enough people to go around, and it's hard. It's hard. I mean, you, how many police officers do you have? Yeah. Thousands, right? right. One DOW agent. So. Well, one, I'll tell you a quick one here that I now I think the statute of limitations is over with. But, <laughs> I mean, my daughter, she's old enough to go elk hunting for the very first time. She's a weekend warrior because she's, you know, into volleyball and has been a year-long sport. Hike her up. Ruin her day, you know, four o'clock in the morning, grab a flashlight, we go to the top of this ridge, get up there and go, man, we're going to use all this hunting pressure because I'm a bow hunter. I'm with my rifle, daughter hunting rifle. We're going to use all this hunting pressure and I'm going to push these elk right up to us. Well, all of a sudden, about five o'clock in the morning, we see the headlights of, I don't, they have, I don't, they call them mules or something. It's a two wheel drive, four, a two-wheel like drive motorcycle yeah oh oh a two-wheel drive motorcycle it's called two-wheel drive motorcycle got these great big old balloon tires on it oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um he's riding up this riding up right where we're expecting all the elk to come through he bumps a lot of elk to us but it's it's five o'clock in the morning we yeah. can't shoot him so he parks up there and here i just got to work on my daughter's ass off for two hours to get up there and all excited about you know the, the sun to come up here in cow calf talk talking and that kind of stuff know what's going to happen and then this guy rides up through these things actually two guys so they go walking off in the woods to see where they go i walk all the way over there and i cut the valve stems off their bike <laughs> off, their, off their tires oh yeah no i mean i'm um i mean as horrible as it sounds and whatever i guess what do they call it to make my day law somebody breaks in your house yeah. and you shoot them or whatever yeah. right i i guess if you you are in for not to keep the words conservation or the environment as well as your own personal i've just worked my ass off and this guy's not going to cheat me out of my fun I mean, popping a tire, you know what I, yeah, I mean, it crosses your mind, right? A guy, and because you know the penalty for him is nothing. The chances of him getting caught, the chances, so he is going to do it again. Uh Well, you fucking tackle a guy like a linebacker off a four-wheeler, he's probably not going to drive up that road again because I may tackle him the next time. Now, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying. That it, it caught me in a certain mood. Yeah. So they probably won't do that again. This is the last one. This is definitely a speculation. <laughs> I was in Arizona, and I drew a, a 3B tag. And I was the only non-resident that drew a 3B tag. And I'm out there with my buddy who lives in Sholo, Arizona. And Game Warden comes to our camp a couple of days into the season. He goes, hey, you've seen this black van. Um, and I'm like, no, I haven't seen it. He goes, well... You really need to uh, keep an eye out for this. If you see it, here's my number, and here's another number, and another number. You call until you get a hold of somebody. We're trying to arrest this guy because what he's doing is parking behind hunters' vehicles, getting out with his boon box, and chasing the elk away. Oh, gotcha. So we're trying to give him arrest him for harassing wildlife. Mm-hmm. And obviously try to get him before some hunter sticks him in a hole somewhere. So... No shit. I get up at 3.30 in the morning, get up there, and I very seldom do it, but in Arizona where I was going, I mean, it's, it's this unit here, you know, you drive down a two-track road, park, and walk maybe four or 500 yards, bugle, see what you hear, then go back and do it again. And, and I finally found this real raspy-looking sounding bowl. So I go walking in on him, and I got him bugling, another elk bugling. I'm on this two-track road still. Next thing I know, I hear Van Halen. <laughs> and I'm like, this guy's got this thing 
booming. And he's walking down this two-track trail, so he definitely has scared my elk away. So he's walking, but he doesn't see me. So I, he got about 25 yards away, and I hit him in the chest with a judo point. Just, just, oh, I mean, fuck. he fell over backwards. All I could see was the bottom of his feet. <laughs> and he just fell straight back. Marrow bounced off him, and he's not moving. I'm like, <laughs> oh, shit. I'm like, I was thinking maybe I accidentally hit him in the windpipe or something. I didn't know what, <laughs> why he wasn't moving. So I go over there to him, and he's just laying on his back, just following me with his eyes, but he's not moving nothing else. And I, his radio was still playing, so I took his radio and I sacked over a rock on the road, started to walk off, and then now I'm starting to freak out. I'm like, shit, my fingerprints are on that radio. <laughs> so I go back to the radio, pick up all the pieces, and he's still just following me with his eyes. He's not moving at all. And I finally get about 400 yards away on top of the hill, look back, and he's finally just sitting on his ass. So I can't imagine the amount of energy that he absorbed. I wouldn't want to be hot shot in the chest with a judo point. But that's just what I mean by heat of the moment sometimes. I ain't recommend anybody else do that. And I didn't tell anybody for a year because when I got back, a black van's parked behind my truck. I'm the only one with Colorado plates. So I'm like, holy shit. So we go back to my buddy. We park my truck in his garage in Sholo. I come running back and we use this his vehicle and so on and so forth. That's funny. I was going to play a little Van Halen just for the movie. <laughs> yeah. Was it Panama? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that was – there you go. That's the <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I don't – you know, I don't think people, especially non- or anti-hunters, realize how much – how serious we take this and how much it means to us, especially like that, those certain circumstances. But off the subject, but uh, – Oddly enough, the other day, this is – so I've talked to that guy like five times now in in uh, Vitamin Cottage, right? We go to Vitamin Cottage every day, buy peanut butter bars and the kombucha. Uh-huh. Were you there when the guy asked me about the truck? Mm-hmm. So I go – you know what I'm talking about, though. I did tell you about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I go in, and the guy's like, hey, do you do you own that, the truck with the, the rhino on it? I'm like, yeah, what what's up? I said, it's my company truck. And he says, well, what, what, do, you, what do you do? And I said, well, I, I run a backpack company. We build backpacks and sleeping bags and – he says, so do you hunt? Are you a hunter? And I'm like, are you curious if I poach rhinos? As I could feel the vibe. Uh, and he goes, well, not not me, but some of the people here. And I'm like, no, I don't <laughs> poach rhinos. I was like, hunters are the ones that get contracted to kill the poachers that are poaching rhinos. I was like, what kind of opinion do you have of hunters? And I was, he was like, well, we just saw Kafaro International and thought you were a rhino hunter. And I'm like, well, no, I'm not a rhino hunter. I said, I, I hunt, you know, and I said, but uh, I'm not a rhino hunter. I was like, I, I said, I, I, I really actually probably would never shoot a rhino. It's not my thing. Uh-huh. I said, but what, uh, what do you, what the fuck are you thinking, man? I was like, you know, I was like, <laughs> so we started talking. He's super cool now. And I said, man, you got to figure. I said, we backpack in and I explained the whole thing or whatever else. And, and he uh, was intrigued by it. And I said, but you're kind of a fucking hypocrite if you're shitting on me for hunting because how much meat is inside a vitamin cottage? I was like, you better quit your job if you don't like... I say, It's okay if it goes under solophane, though. You just well, have to know that. Well, and, and we started talking about that, and um, it was uh, it was funny, but it's 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 uh, totally off subject, actually, what you're talking about. It's funny how the opinion of people, of hunters, where it comes from, why, and how, and in a five-minute conversation, that guy yesterday asked if we'd put our business card up on the wall because we're a local business when I explained it to him. But, man, before that one, the hippie chick, she just thought we run out and murder shit and leave it lay. 
she she had no idea how hunting worked. I'm like, how the fuck did you yeah. watch some bad movie? Like, there, there's Jesus. a few the few uh, cashiers in there that'll give you a little attitude when you go in there, and you're like, what the? F-? Well, you can tell when they put this kombucha sideways and roll it down. Yeah, they know damn good. Yeah. Well, it's, it's explosive at that point. Yeah. It's like you know what, you bitch. I know you know what God, you're doing. If, if I'd have been there, I'd have said, yeah, I just got through shooting a random in Lakewood over there on like 24th and Wadsworth. You know, <laughs> well, I have that one grizzly claw I have as a necklace, uh-huh. and I love it. Is that a raptor claw? I'm like, oh yeah, killed it last <laughs> week. I'm like, no, it's a grizzly claw. You well, shot I'd- a grizzly? I'm like. Yeah, do you think you pet them? Like, they're vicious as shit, right? Yeah. People just don't know because they're so humanized or whatever. But. Yeah. Well, getting back, we kind of got sidetracked with that whole, uh, uh, with telling some of these uh, you stories. Know, stories. <laughs> but uh, as far as the caps for non-residents, every state has them. Like I was telling earlier to Frank, New Mexico, max 3, 3% of the non-residents can hunt that state. The ceiling is 3%. Right. Arizona, max. Ten, actually, it was 10%. Now it's down to 6%. That's right. the max non-residents can hunt Arizona. So it's not like it's foreign to anybody that puts in for other states. I put in for six different states every single year. So it's not foreign to them. So if you're going to – I would think that if you're a you're a – you're a non-resident hunting hunter and you're kind of pissed off at this podcast and you put in for other states, you'd you know that's where it's going. Uh, I'd imagine the state you're in is the same way. Um, it's just uh, you got to look at, you know, from both sides. Like Colorado, we're the most lucrative. Some units, they, they're very broad. The max you can have is 30% of the tags go to non-residents in any particular unit. And then that'll jump to or decrease to 20% or 10%. That's their bylaws. I mean, you can look it up. That's what they have, not to exceed 30%. And they can choose any unit they want to to make 30%. They can right. choose any unit they want to to make 20 or 10 But then you look at the sheep units. you got to have at least even 10 tags to equal 10%. There's not a sheep unit in the state of Colorado that has that many tags. So to me, there would be no non-resident tags because you got to have 10 of something to at least have 10%, which would give one tag. Now, I'm not saying not have non-resident tags for sheep or non-resident tags for stuff like that, but, I mean, you got to kind of just – the desert sheep tag is what I wanted to touch on. That's where I'm going to go with this is we're looking for money also. Uh, that's a, We know that the OW is driven by money. That's why they have so many non-resident tags. I mean, uh, over-the-counter tags. That desert tag should not be a non-resident desert tag. It should be an auction tag. If you go to Reno, you go to the Wild Sheep Foundation, you find out what these desert sheep tags are being auctioned off for, you're talking $200,000. At a minimum. Way, yeah. way, yeah. 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 Fucking, that's like cheap for a desert tag at yeah, Sheep Show. Yeah, so why would you ever have, I mean, there's a total of, what, nine tags for total for desert sheep in the first place? I, I don't even know if there's that now. Is that what it is? I got it right here. Is uh, it nine? Check and see that. So, but they have one non-resident tag. I'm like, how do you even do this? Or even moose units that has one resident moose tag and one non-resident moose tag. How does that happen? It should not happen. Is that info in this? How many tags they give away? Yeah, yeah, it is. And then, yeah, just go to, it'll be the sheep, go all the way to the sheep applications, the, the units, and it'll show how many sheep they give. So if they did that desert tag, has it an auction tag, sell it at wild sheep, you're going to get $200,000. That's probably more money you make on all the sheep tags put together for non-residents, not just counting the one desert sheep tag and moose tags. But no, and I, I agree with that. And, you know, as we've talked about this over the last, uh, you know, month or so, just talking with different, uh, um, 
you know, people on their perception or their ideas or ideals on how this should work. You know, several resident hunters I've talked to with 20 plus uh, moose points, for example, they feel obviously there should be different brackets for the tags. If you have more points, it's more of a guarantee, um, you know, things like that. So you got unit 56, 62 for desert sheep, and they took one of the resident tags away from us and gave it to a non-resident. To me, that, that, that should not have happened. That If they're going to give away a tag and not give it to a resident, then they need to make it an auction tag. I mean, they could make probably a quarter million dollars of auctioning off that tag. So am I reading that correctly? It's 10, 12 uh, resident, resident and one non-resident. And the unit that they took, the, the what unit is the resident tag in? A non-resident, I mean. 62. 62. So there used to be four tags of 62 for yeah. residents. Now there's only three because they gave one to non-resident. It, it, that should not have happened. It, it, it should not have happened. If they want to make some money, like I said, you could probably make a quarter million dollars if you make that an auction tag. Oh, yeah. I mean, we go to the big – yeah, you could definitely get that much out of it um, for sure. And I mean – I, I can understand people would think it's not fair, but I mean, really, again, if you're looking at uh, the conservation aspect of it, you know, I mean, that's $250,000 that would go to the conservation and restoration and everything else that goes into wild sheep, desert, or bighorn. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it might be a black eye, whatever, but I mean, it is what it is. You can't have everything in the world. And I, I mean, I'm speaking from a guy that lives in Colorado, but... Am I going to be able to go to the Golden Triangle and hunt whitetail in Iowa without paying an outfitter? No. That's no. the price you have to pay, right? I mean, that's just what I'm going to have to do. And we're so. another desert sheep state. I mean, you go to Nevada, no. they got that many tags in one unit, Yep, 12 desert sheep tags. You go to Arizona, they got that many tags in one unit. They're, we're not a desert sheep state. A very limited area, very limited amount of animals. So why would you – you don't have the ability. You don't have the resources to share. To hear, for here. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, I agree with that. So, cool. Was there anything else you wanted to cover? Let's see. Uh, oh, I do have one about the uh, the eyesore. Um, oh, that's that a deep subject. On. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of the feed I've got from the uh, uh, DOW from um, um, certain guys I've talked to, there's nothing more... Uh, makes you sick to your stomach to see an animal running around out there that's wounded. Um, unfortunately, with a bow, uh, uh, with an arrow, you can see those fletchings from, uh, you know, like a neon sign when you're looking at an animal out there. You can see an arrow sticking out of a shoulder, sticking arrow, arrows sticking out of a neck or an ass or whatever. That's horrible. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't look good at all. That same animal during rifle season could have those same holes, but you're not going to see a hole the size of your pinky. It's right. not, it's not going to happen. Um, so it, it does, because, I mean, I, I speak from experience and I'll back it up with my experience as far as being a guide for over 30 years is, you know, you got your bow season and yeah, accidents happen. It has happened to anybody that's been bow hunting, but accidents happen with rifle hunting for anybody that's been rifle hunting. Uh, and it happens more to me during rifle season. And I can back this up with guiding first season and, all of a sudden, you know, the animals that we couldn't find that uh, followed a blood trail, couldn't get it going. We find that same animal the next season, the second season. Then there's animals that are shot second season that we don't find till the third season. 
you bump into them. But there's nobody following the tracks of the rifle hunters. There's just as many, and maybe this ain't a good thing, there's the anti-hunters that may be jumping all over this. It just it, it happens. There are some animals that are not retrieved. Um, because, but the, for the eyesore thing, there's no way to get around it. It's just... Uh, uh, there's not a person out there that just doesn't feel sick to their stomach when they wound an animal and can't retrieve an animal. But it it cannot influence you know what has to be done in regards to conservation, what the numbers that need to be taken. It can't. It kind of just needs to be accepted. And again, I think that um, as you say, like needs to be accepted. Context behind this. If you just approached uh, a non-hunter that's about to vote and you talk about that, sounds bad, right? Okay, yep. arrows. Okay, but if you also approach the hunter, the the, the non-hunter at the same time and say, "Hey, the last time you voted for spring bear, you voted against it, and now those animals are getting shot and left in a ditch because there's a problem." Again, context explaining the big picture of things. That sounds pretty bad, too, where they may stop and think about it or, or what you know what I mean, mm-hmm. where it puts a bigger picture on it. And again, you talk about a lot of different things, uh, you know, big picture, mountain lion hunting with dogs. Okay. Is that bad? Okay. Well, it's one it, – well, it is the only way to effecti- effectively uh, age and obviously male or female, right? It is pretty freaking hard for – now, I can tell, but I've been on a lot of hunts. Most people aren't going to be able to pick a male or female mountain lion walking by in a split second and choose to shoot or not shoot. But what's in a tree, you can you can pick. Where I'm leading with this is, like you said, transplanting sheep over into the Hayman burn for mountain lion bait. Right. Okay. Well, you ban dogs and mountain lion hunting. Okay. Well, what you've just done is basically said, I hate you, mule deer. I hate you, sheep. Because I'm going to let you all fucking die a gruesome death by a mountain lion because you spoke with emotion. You didn't think hunting with dogs was right. You thought it was unethical. But the plain and simple fact is that it's in the long term going to crush the ungulate population. And so it all works in a big picture, meaning, okay, if you like sheep and you like mule deer, uh, you better like dog hunting with dogs for mountain lions because you have to have that to effectively hunt a mountain lion. And when you don't do that and you just ban hunting with dogs and you throw it up in the air to, oh, we'll still have a mountain lion hunting season. Well, maybe I'll shoot a unicorn at the same time. And while you're at it, hand me a bottle of scotch and a handgun because I'm going to have equal luck. Because how many times have you called in a mountain lion? Uh once in Arizona. Okay. It, twice for me, but one, my buddy called it in, but I was there. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a lot of elk hunting and a lot of calling. Now, I was calling for elk when they come in. Now, Frank's a predator hunter. Have you ever called in a mountain lion? No. Not, that, not that I know of. Yeah, you probably <laughs> Bobcast, so you've called yeah. some of those mm-hmm. in. Now, now take that where hunting with dogs isn't a sure thing, but it's more of a sure thing. Now, how many people are going to buy mountain tags on the hope that one walks by? It's going to be less than when they buy mountain lion tags knowing to go, you're going to shoot one with a bow, running it after dogs. I guess what I'm getting at is people need context and information before they vote on anything, and it's our job as hunter to get that out there because anyone that votes against dogs needs to get slapped in the side of the head. It's the only way to kill a mountain lion. I mean— with any consistency. Right. Don't fix something that ain't broken. I yeah. mean, we've been able to manage things. You already you already tried to fix the bear thing. Now it's broken. The bear is still being killed, but always get to use them. Now, as far as the mountain lion goes, I mean, as far as the DOW, again, to try to make more money, and I had this in my notes, and I, I'm glad we got on this, was 
why not have mountain lion season deer, deer and elk? Yeah. They do in Oregon, and it's very— and They do in every state. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is the chances of you calling in a mountain lion, cow, cow, you know, cow calling, basically, aren't great. But if you see one now, you know what happens? They fucking hide them. No one's turning that shit in. How many do we know of last year? Three? I, you know what? I shouldn't even say that online. But fuck it. Uh, Three guys I know called in, scared to death, shot, that were, were listeners that told us this happened. Well, they didn't want to turn it in. They were freaked out. 20 yards, cat pops up. They uh-huh. shot it. I should not be talking about this. Um, anyway. It happens. It happens, right? Every year. Yeah. Inside of 20 yards, see a cat. You're from freaking Michigan. Shit your pants and you shoot it. There's no tag. You can't even do it legally. Well, would the cat have eaten them or not or whatever? Who knows? But why the hell wouldn't you create revenue from that? Because it's what, one and what, 10,000 people it might happen to? I'd definitely buy that tag. <laughs> have it in your pocket well, yeah. well every bull hunter hunt in September would buy I mean not every but it, they would like that opportunity yeah. to be in the right place at the right time I'm 40 not saying bucks yeah, yeah whatever yeah. I mean and then and then if they want to harvest more mountain lions like Nevada they consider them like a coyote you can there's no there's no quotas right um, th- I mean when you when you apply for Nevada anybody out there applies to Nevada you know you get that big old pink flag that comes up says hey you can include a mountain lion with this purchase right I mean it's just there's no quota and do they have problems with mountain do they have mountain lions there yes they haven't mountain lions aren't extinct there um, do they have better populations and, and great bulls? <laughs> I'd rather hunt Nevada bulls than I would Colorado bulls. Yeah. So they're doing something right. Colorado, we're having a hell of a time getting that on that food chain. We're not considered a trophy state. And I really feel that these these mountain lions pick on these giant bulls that go to the wintering grounds. I mean, that's where you find all the deadheads. So you need to have, you need to lift your quotas and have a mountain lion season during the regular rifle deer and elk seasons as well as, well as archery. Just just be able to buy it. Just not even apply for it. Just be able to put it out there. Well, and I think if you're a, a DOW officer or someone yeah, that works for the Department of Wildlife and you're listening to this and maybe you're shaking your head, maybe you're not, inform us. Let us know because to me, and as you would say in my pea brain, why would you not increase, um, let's say, 40% of the hunters that buy elk tags buy a mountain lion tag for 40 bucks? Why wouldn't you want that money? Because in reality, it's going to be one and who knows, 10,000, 2,000, whatever. Not very many are, are going to run into a mountain lion. It just doesn't happen. But you want the chance. I mean, yeah. if there was wolves here and it was the same option, yeah. it happened to me and Brian in Idaho. And note this. We're not talking about hunting deer and elk the mountain lion during deer and elk season with hounds. Yeah, just, we're just have the tag. We just have the tag and then still have, after deer and elk season's over with, still have a mountain lion season where the houndsmen go out there and do their stuff. But you have just the, the amount of tags that people would sell is a fictional number right now because we don't know because you don't do it. But you do have in your archives the way that you, because when I used to hunt with my dad and my grandpa, it came with a mountain lion tag. Right. You that did do that. They did allow mountain lions to be shot during deer and elk season. So, why why did you get away from that? I mean, it's uh, uh I, I, well, I we all know the answer why. We got the Republic of Boulder here, but don't let them influence the survival of our animals. Uh, you, it's so bad to have emotion, be able to kick this shit out of science all the time. So I've if I was 
and I hope I do, this is another subject, there's a Northwest region for the roundtable to Colorado Divisional Wildlife to try to have some influence, and I hope I get elected to kind of tap on stuff like this and try to be a voice for the hunter, but my biggest thing is, you know, what can I do, what can I do for you, for you to help me? Yeah. Yeah. No, and I mean, I think anybody listening should be listening to the podcast with that uh, in the forefront of their mind is if we're saying pay more for whatever and you're an out-of-state hunter, it's what we're asking you to help the state of Colorado in conservation and, uh, you know, whatever that wherever that money goes in the big pie chart, it's helping you in the long run. It may not seem like it or if you live here and you are... Uh, thinking your population count is off in your unit, uh, that help help them help you. You're you're going to help them do the count, give them info by helping you because the numbers will be more accurate. Look at it that way. Don't don't look like that it's a negative Nancy. Um, and I mean I think that's you should definitely take that away from this podcast. Yeah, how can anything. I help you help me? Yeah. Um, and that's that's a huge thing to take away from this podcast. And um, Aaron just said it. Just help create accurate herd counts. Yeah, help that and then obviously help um, anyone listening that's smarter than uh, the people on this podcast that may have info we don't or may know how legislation works, what needs to happen to create another vote for spring bear hunting. And, uh, you know, if you're one of those guys dropping $450,000 on a Montana sheep tag, Hey, if it comes down to money, don't be afraid to pitch in for the cause to help us out. Or, or, or if it does come down to a vote for our own campaign to get spring bear hunting back, um, you know, when it comes to um, money uh, and anti hunters, it seems like we always have some, you know, whoever the fuck it is that chimes in with a shit ton of money for these campaigns on billboards. Let's do it right this time. Stick together. Pool up money. Whatever that, GoFundMe to PuntSpringBear.org, whatever it takes, <laughs> Jesus. But let's get it back because they're getting killed anyway. And I think, imagine a two-minute commercial on that. Yeah. Let's just talk about how many thousands of bears have been killed in the last five years and left in a ditch. I think that'd be an eye-opener. But will that ever get out on the news? I don't I mean, know. One thing you could probably say is just the tax dollars of someone that's indifferent, the tax money that's going to kill these bears. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that definitely needs to be talked about. And I mean, the DOW no way wants to let it, let it get out that they're just putting these things in a ditch because the same stuff they're doing, I'd get a wanton waste charge for. Yeah, that does suck. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's totally different subject, but it's true. I mean, now I understand where they're coming from. What the hell are they supposed to do with it? I guess they could donate it, but then that's they got to clean it, take more time. But that's where this whole thing is just like a big WTF Let's just get bear season back and decrease the population. You know, bring this fall bear season earlier. Do whatever. Let's start a June season because right now, it black eye or not, it's happening. And so let's let's fix it with common sense and not human emotion. And what everybody's everybody's heard today in this podcast and the other ones we've done is emotion. And I think I could honestly say it, emotion versus emotion because if I do get you know in a situation where I can influence the hunter. I could have stacks of paperwork that I've seen biologists have, and it doesn't even matter against emotion. So I'm going to be the type of guy that's, I'm not going to bring no notebook with me. I'm not going to bring any notes with me because they don't either. I'm just going to fight emotion with emotion. 
Yeah. And I put my money on me. I mean, if uh, besides, I got a science behind me, not just emotion, but I can have emotional too. As everybody listened for the last two hours here, know that all three of us here are very passionate and got emotion. And if I can sit in a place with an anti-hunter, my goal is to at least get him to think about my side of the story. I don't beat him up. Don't, you know, call him F-bombs, that kind of stuff, just to try to get him on the same page um, and some neutral ground and just some common sense if there's such a word in the human populace anymore. No, I, I agree. And I mean, that was a good example of the vitamin cottage thing is I just, I mean, he's cool to you now, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just sat there and was like, hey, I mean, basically Frank and I, and it, I, he knew who you were. I said, have three deep freezers full of meat and we eat meat every night. And I said, doesn't go to waste, has jack shit to do with ivory. I said, we 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 eat these animals no different than you sell them. And I said, I just walked down and there's 14 different turkey and roast beef sandwiches over there. Are you boycotting that sandwich? Are you calling that company that – and I said, it's the same thing. It's no different. And then you could see a light popped on. He was like, fuck, I never thought of that. And, you know, that all it takes is info and, and talking about it. Now, I definitely have t- at times gotten angry to where I've had to take a step back within a conversation like that because people are, have such blind ignorance. But, I mean, proper communication and, as you said, science and intelligent and argument, I think, well, we might win this thing, hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, I got, I mean, something I didn't do correctly as an example, uh, my daughter had a softball game in Boulder and it was a year that they killed a bear in Boulder, came down into town. Yeah. You know, only going to happen once that year, but they made it a big, huge deal. So, I mean, this is just funny. We'll leave with this or I'll leave with this. Is they had a guy in the back of a truck dressed up like a bear. Yeah. (laughs) And he was throwing packages of gummy bears out on the grass. And all these little kids that were all sitting around with their families in this park were following this truck, getting the candy. Yeah. Then they had a guy on a Mr. Microphone talking about how everybody had to bring in their bird feed, quit feeding the birds. Don't set your trash outside until you hear the trash man coming because because of all this, you know, this bear got killed and, you know, you know, hunting's bad, this kind of stuff. And, well, my daughters have a softball game. So the, this lady comes over and sits down right next to me, the worst person she could have. And she goes, hey, um, we noticed they're playing the game here. If you guys are close to ending, we'll, we'll, we'll wait. So they got the opportunity to, to get some candy and listen to our little bear savvy conversation. I'm like, they're not interested. And she's like, are you speaking for everybody? I'm like, uh-huh. And she goes, well, uh, don't you care about the bears? Like I do very much, more than probably anybody you'll ever talk to. And she's like, well, I don't get it. What? Why wouldn't you want us talking to her? Because you don't know what the hell you're talking about. This was a once and a once and a uh, – this, this didn't – I mean it, it, it never happened in the 50 years before now and it didn't happen. It's not going to happen for another 50 years. You're making a big deal out of nothing. And you're calling me a bad guy. And she's like, well, where do you live? You live here in Boulder? And I go, no, I live up in the mountains between Boulder and Golden. And she goes, well, I'm sure you got bears on your property. I'm like, yeah, we see bears all the time. She goes, well, what do you do to so the bears ain't getting into your bird feeders and trash and stuff like that? I mean, she was that ignorant. Yeah. And I'm like, I keep my drapes open. Yeah. And she's like, huh. What the hell is that going to do? I go, when they look inside and see the life-size bear and the fucking bear rug on the wall, (laughs) they fucking get off my property. (laughs) Oh, that's pretty funny. Oh, Lord. Well, on that note, and then we will leave this with this, was Amy talking about the, uh, a bear ate the 
garage door of a neighbor. Um, They're constantly ruining garage doors because that's where people store their trash so before they set it out. A- Amy was um, talking about that and how it works. And I said, do you know a bear smells eight miles or something? Five miles, yeah. right? And she didn't know that. And I said, look, it doesn't matter if it's a screen door, a front door, garage door. They don't target garage doors. It's not like they hate them. When you walk in, just like our house, the fucking garbage is on the right side. Uh-huh. You hit the garage door. You wheel that shit out. You cannot stop that from from happening. You know, I'm not saying it's encroachment on animals. It's just bears are hungry. And I said, but the bottom line is what everybody forgets about. If we wouldn't have banned spring bear hunting, there wouldn't be so many fucking bears that don't have enough food to eat that dive down and eat garage doors because they hate garage doors. I was like, it's a population of a bear problem more so than the human population because we're not encroaching into wilderness areas, right? We're not right. encroaching into a national forest that much. Our towns are getting a little bigger, but it's not like we're booming into 100 miles of, of wilderness. But when there's so many bears that they are stacked on top of each other into the wood line, in the wood line, they're going to come down more often than not, and they're going to look for garbage and everything else because they're fighting too much in the woods for the natural food sources. So maybe we should think about that before going having this giant crisis about bears coming down and eating garage doors. Maybe we should have just not killed spring bear hunting. Of course, she'd never thought of that. None of the neighbors had thought right, of that. Right. They never think of that shit. It's just like, oh, my God, what are we going to do to stop them from eating the garage doors getting into our garbage? Well, maybe we should just kill some of them because they're so fucking many. I mean, that's the problem. And and, and trying to explain – obviously, I'm not going to explain to it that way, but – taking some of them out of the population because there's not enough food in the forest or or they're, they're stacked on top of each other is it 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 amazes me no one actually thinks about that because there is a bear problem where we're at or at least they pop up all the time but. Uh, anywhere if 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 you could read between if you could go to the towns walsenburg you go to the town trinidad aguilar vale anywhere you want to go and just talk to somebody that would happen that would, that would know you can find out how many Every one of those towns experienced bear bear problems, trouble bears. Oh yeah, no, for sure. And it's it's really bad when you get down into the Aspen uh, area with bells or whatever, because uh-huh. now, um, you know, every camping spot that ten, fifteen years ago didn't have bear proof gang box looking things where you camp, they've got them now. Uh, more than most often, if you go to open a dumpster. Um, a bear could hop out because there's just too damn many. You hear about the bears getting into cars and that. Well, it's not just a human problem. It's an overpopulation of bears. So all things that definitely need to get brought up if this we can get this to a, val- a ballot again. So Perfect. Anyhow. Well, cool. Well, thanks for coming over, Harold. Yeah, I hope we got something to call. I know we got sidetracked a couple of times, but we do have accurate numbers, even though we didn't display a lot of them. We are, we're going to stay shy, like everybody should, in regards to keeping their units to themselves. But uh, I invite every hunter out there to go on the DOW's website, pick out the unit that they constantly put in for, and see how much their tags as an archery hunter or whatever you're doing, this is kind of revolves around archery, see how many tags there were last year compared to this year and then letting her know what you found out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And even more so, don't be afraid to go back to 2004, 5, 6, 7, 8, see what's changed over the, the last 10, 15 years as far back as you can go and see if there's more bow tags. Is there less bow tags, more rifle, less rifle? And then when you, if you find that out and it's not something that you like, that's where 
figure out why that decision was made, uh, make some phone calls. Was it because of population? Was it because of something else? And then if it was a piss poor population count, that's where we say, hey, volunteer, do your part. And, you know, when you have a local meeting, this is one thing I'd promise the DOW agent I'd bring up. If there's a local meeting about tag allocation in your area, um, he, you know, he brought it up and said no one showed up for the last meeting. Oh, then fair play, yeah. Yeah, Um you know, show up for those meetings and voice your opinion. Don't just bitch about it after the meeting's over. Show up there and throw in your two cents about what you think's going on. Definitely, you know, do that. And, and don't just make someone, the DOW or whoever, the bad guy, um, do your part in helping them, whether it be from revenue or volunteering or whatever you've got to do. So. And now that the DOW has every single solitary person's out there that puts in for the state's email, they can be at the fingertips, put out a mass email, and let people know about these meetings because um, I look for that kind of stuff intermittently. But if I got an email uh, I, if, and I wouldn't have to research it to know if there's a meeting going on in Denver, a meeting going on in Vail, whatever, um, I would make the time and I would take the drive. But just you have no excuse not to be able to push a little enter button and send all of us an email. And if we can make it, we'll make it. Well, and on that note, um, as much as I've been talking to a few game wardens now, don't be afraid to contact me or Frank or Harold, but Frank or I or other people with high spheres of influence to post on their social media page, the podcast, to let them know, hey, I do it for archery tournaments. We do it for all kinds of shit. We might as well do it for something important. If there's a meeting or something important going on, get a hold of me, get a hold of Frank or Brian Call or whoever it is, and we can get the word out quicker than probably anyone because – um, you know, people that listen to a podcast, they're listening because they want to hear what we have to say. People don't always open their emails. They're opening a podcast already, so they're going to hear it no matter what. So we, Good point. we're more than, more, than, more than happy to help. So, all right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody, and uh, thanks for coming in, Harold. Thank you.